I'll never forget in that moment, he leaned back in his, in his chair and he opened up the top drawer of his desk and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks. He showed me that who I was was not a problem, it was an opportunity. But he also showed me the opportunity of what could be with that gift. And the cool part about it is I don't really remember a lot of what Mr. Jensen taught me. But one thing's for darn sure, I'll never forget the drumsticks. Hi everyone! Welcome to episode 11 of the Unalike podcast. Natalia, we have been keeping a big secret. And everybody who's been watching every week keeps asking the million dollar question. But how do you know each other? Oh, this is a good one. Do you want me to spill the beans or you? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, take it away. We are sisters. She's my big sister. <laughs> I am the big sister. That means I know more because I've been around longer and I've lived longer. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I'm the wisest. <laughs> yeah. So everything that we have shared to date has been a lot of fun to share with you. And you guys have been so great to ask questions and to chime in and to tell us your stories or your memories of us. Uh, we almost spilled the beans a time or two. I remember telling you all the story about when I was going to give birth and Natalia came over to my house to help me get to the hospital because she had already had a baby and, and this was... I hadn't, uh, and and she. I was telling that story, and I, and then I got to the point where I needed to explain that she called our mom to say, "Chriselle <laughs> won't go to the hospital." And that I, I was in the middle of talking, and all of a sudden I was like, "Do I say her mom? Do I say my mom?" <laughs> so it's both there's of been ours. a couple times that we almost caught up mom. with us. We do have the same mom and same dad. And all the same brothers yes. and sisters, and we love all of them. Yes. And yes. And they're they're kind of all unalike as well, but we're kind of all the same too. Yes, we are. And I am naturally this dark. I don't know what color Chriselle's hair is naturally, but yes, I really am naturally a lot darker <laughs> than her. <laughs> she yeah. So that's a lot of fun. We should talk about that. Um, <laughs> Natalia has always been the darkest person in our family she, a dark complexion dark hair and she gets approached all the time by people who will start speaking spanish to her and expect her to respond yes it's actually transitioned though as i've gotten older instead of spanish i get sp spoken to in portuguese a lot lately so i don't know if it's my name or what but i don't know either <laughs> you know i remember maybe it was episode two episode three we were starting to get a lot of questions about how do you know each other? And and it's funny because people, it's kind of like this thing people have started to argue about. No, they're not related. Yes, they are. They look like <laughs> sisters. So it's funny how on how people are on completely polar opposite sides about this discussion of whether or not we were even related. But yeah. I, I want to share that every story we have shared so far has been completely true. We did yes. live together. We have had several of the same jobs. We've worked together um, at a snow cone shack. Yep. But before the snow cone shack, we made milkshakes together at one of the best shake shops in the whole state of Utah and, and maybe all of the Rockies for that matter. Oh, yeah, we did. So, 
We it, it, we grew up on a farm, a, a very small farm. I, I, don't, I think you can call it a farm. We had eight sheep and four horses. And, and we so had we've pigs both... and chickens and cows and dogs and cats. and <laughs> Yeah. We had it yeah. all. <laughs> so <laughs> we've taken care of farm animals and done some manual labor. But another job people may not realize is we have both worked for a custom curbing company doing cement curbing around flower beds. I tried to never have that job. <laughs> she always got out of the jobs. So after Natalia, we have a brother. And more often than not, I feel like the hard jobs went from me <laughs> and straight on to our brother. <laughs> Natalia mastered that skill. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> hey, so we haven't had a chance to talk. I wanted to ask you, didn't you think that interview last week with Jessica was awesome? Yes, I loved it. And I seriously have gone back and watched her interview a couple of times because she's so inspiring and just her accent is awesome, but everything about her. But I definitely have to tell you that one of the things that I totally thought was hilarious from her interview was when she talked about, I'm going to say this five different ways, country fried steak, chicken fried steak, or chicken fried chicken, whatever you want to call it. I think it's all kind of the same thing, either made with chicken or steak. I was laughing so hard that she's never tried that because it's one of my very favorite foods. Like every time I go to um, Texas Roadhouse, that's what I order. It's like my go-to comfort food. So I couldn't believe that she'd never tried it before. Yeah, well, and then when she started describing the mashed potatoes and the gravy, even to like bring it back up again right now is making my mouth start to salivate. Like, oh my gosh, I want some country fried chicken right now. Okay, so we grew up eating a food that was kind of similar, but probably even weirder that most people have probably never had. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, we had a lot of them. But this one was finger steaks, which is kind of a play on the same thing. But it's so freaking good. And ever since she even talked about it, I was like on a mission. I have to make finger steaks. So one night this week, I actually made finger steaks for my family for dinner. And finger steaks, for those of you that don't know, it's we use like a sirloin, like a nice steak. Um, and we chop it up into little pieces, like little strips, like kind of like about the size of a steak fry. And then it's battered in a beer batter and then deep fried. A beer batter, if you haven't had it, it's actually most often used like to batter fish. So it's dipped in that and then deep fried. And it is so bad for you and so good at the same time that I love them. So I had to make those. I'll share the recipe if anybody wants to make them. But that's all because of Jessica. I had to make them. <laughs> I justify that it's good for you because there's an entire piece of meat inside, so it's full of protein. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> you know, one other thing, when I made these finger steaks, I like to make them, like I said, with the beer batter, and I think they're better when you use actual beer to make them. So since I had to go to the store and buy some beer, I bought, you know, a few cans, and I also made beer bread this week. Have you ever made beer bread? No. It was so good. So this was the first time that I ever made it. I should, I'll share this recipe too. I'm not a great cook, but I do like to, apparently, I guess, make food. Um, it's so good. Really simple ingredients. I actually added honey and cheddar cheese to mine. And even my kids were like, wow. <laughs> so that was a fun thing we did this week too. 
I do know how much time you spend in the kitchen. When you come up with the experimentation <laughs> ideas, like I'm going to add cheese and I'm going to add honey. Is that an idea you come up with on your own or is that something you've researched online? Oh, I don't research. Like I find a recipe and then <laughs> I just like add stuff if I think it's good. And you can't go wrong with honey or cheese. So I just, just getting a better look at how that brain of your work, of how, how your brain works and what's going on, how it's all spinning up in there. Just throw a little of this, throw a little of that. Yeah. Why not? Worst thing that happens is it doesn't taste good. <laughs> well, I remember being excited to make that same finger steak recipe with um, my new husband and his kids were over. One of the boys was over. And so it, we make it sound like it's this kind of weird thing. But if you stop and think about it, it's it's breaded steak meat, right? So it's yeah. the same concept as chicken fingers, chicken nuggets. It's just we're using steak meat to do it. Yeah. So if you think about it like that, you realize it's not as weird as it sounds, but you're now making your own homemade chicken or steak, whatever you prefer. And and on that note, I have done chicken a few times and dipped and breaded the chicken and it, it cooks just the same. So we have oh. done some homemade chicken nuggets. Yeah. But anyway, so with the steak, I, I made that for Dustin and, and uh, Ryan when Ryan was up here at the house and... It's always fun for me to watch the kids because I know that I'm introducing them to things they haven't had before. And Ryan is my favorite. Like he's a very polite, very, very polite 14 year old. And so you can always tell by looking at his face how he really feels. He won't say it. He won't let the words come out, but his face completely <laughs> gives it away. Well, when I made finger steaks, uh, he asked for seconds. And that's how you always know. He like he, he doesn't always just say, oh, this is really good, but. If he asks for seconds, you know that you're good. That I definitely always eat seconds. They are so good. <laughs> yeah. So what have you, I'm just curious, what have you been working on this week uh, over there with that brain of yours and, and all of the quilting that's going on? <laughs> you know, it's always something crazy and who knows what I might be working on. But this week I did have a little bit of time to spend with my best friend, my quilting machine. And I quilted a really fun giraffe quilt. Remember how we talked about a few weeks ago about my spirit animal? Well, I quilted this really fun giraffe for my client, Heather, and it's awesome. The quilt itself is incredible, but I had a lot of fun quilting it, and I loved it. I actually quilted, so this is an, a giraffe. It looks like an actual giraffe that she's pieced into this quilt, but I've actually quilted for Heather as well, an elephant and also a lion. These are super incredible quilts and way fun for me to machine quilt. Just out of curiosity, when you're quilting, and I've, I've seen some of these questions over on your social media page, when you get something really uh -huh. unique like that, this basically this giraffe that's laid out on a background of blue squares and patches and triangles that are all different shapes. A lot of people ask you, where do you get your ideas? How do you decide this entire block is going to be straight lines done with a ruler, but this entire block is going to be swirls and pebbles and feathers? How do you figure it all out? It's my process is so I don't even know what the word is to describe it. It's every quilt because they're all pretty much everything that I quilt is custom quilting. So every single quilt I look at individual and decide from there. 
I'm going to kind of plug myself for a second. I actually have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Natalia Bonner. So it's this page where I actually share more in-depth step-by-step videos showing my process. And I start with the beginning and show a photo of the quilt and show this is the quilt. This is what I'm thinking. And then I take you to my machine and walk you through my process start to finish quilting a quilt. So I share those over on Patreon. But Part of me doing that is showing that not every single quilt is the same. There's not really like a one size fits all that I look at it and I say, you know, I want this thing to stand out because like we're talking about this giraffe quilt is so different from like a quilt with star, you know, this one behind me that has all these stars on it. So you can't even really approach them in the same way. It's, I don't know how to explain my brain. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why I ask because it's always fascinating to see what you come up with. And now that our secret is out and everyone knows that we are sisters who are completely opposite, then I I can openly say, I do not quilt. I do not sew. Mm -hmm. I did thread a needle this week. So everybody give me some kudos for that. But I don't quilt. So I, as an outsider, sit and watch you use your gamble machine and freehand all of this stuff. And even those of us who are not quilters can be completely fascinated and mesmerized by the work that you do. It is almost like putting a trance over us, like one of those little balls that sits and kind of does this to you. But uh, uh-huh. that's what it's like to watch you. Something sucks you in. And for those of us who are watching, it just for all of you who are not quilters, I know we do have a lot of quilters who follow this podcast, but for everyone who is not a quilter and doesn't have that same appreciation for quilting, kind of, kind of like me. I mean, I get it, but I, you know, so do me a favor and go check her out on YouTube. Go check her out. She has a TikTok channel. You guys, she has a TikTok channel and she shows herself quilting. If you do not believe me, do me a favor this week. You all have a homework assignment. Go check Natalia out and you will see what I'm talking about. Okay, so I have to tell you something funny. Um, Speaking of TikTok, the very, I think it was maybe the first, maybe the second video I ever posted on TikTok. I don't know what TikTok is, really. I don't dance. I'm not the TikTok dancing grandma. I am so uncoordinated. But I was like, why not post a video of myself quilting on TikTok? So we did. I had my daughter film it. We posted it so not the normal and I guess it went viral it had over 30 million views or it has right now and it's like wow I guess really what you're saying people of all different types of or walks of life are mesmerized by machine quilting you guys 30 million views on TikTok (laughs) of somebody quilting do not understand and appreciate how crazy Jinx. <laughs> How crazy that is. No, yeah. I no, I can't even imagine 30 million. Like that it's too big. There, there's no way to describe it. Just go check it out. Mm-mm. And if you don't have TikTok, call your kids. <laughs> right. Okay, something so fascinating. What have you been up to? I oh I'm gonna tell you. I, I okay. I'm more of the nerd in this relationship. So I've been looking at some of our <laughs> stats and I just I I hadn't looked at these, so I I didn't know, but I was very surprised when I opened them up and saw where all of our listeners are. Where do you think all of our, we've, we've made it very clear, we film in Utah in the United States, but where do you think we have listeners located? The internet's a big world and it, I don't know. I haven't actually looked, so I'm way fascinated to see or hear where 
where our friends are from. Well, I was surprised. I I'm, I might be a, a little sheltered. I kind of thought this podcast had not gone much beyond, I don't know, the lower 48 states of the U.S. So mm-hmm. join me and let your jaw drop as I tell you where our listeners are. United States, Canada, Australia, mm-hmm. Denmark, New Zealand, Switzerland, Germany, Ecuador, South Africa. Natalia, we are speaking and sharing stories. We have listeners watching right now, just what you said, all around the globe. This community is so much smaller than we ever realized. We had no idea until I did a little bit of research. But to each of you who have been watching and who've come back week after week and followed along and taken an hour out of your time to spend time with us, I just want to give you a huge shout out and say thank you. We are so tickled and completely honored that you would be willing to spend an hour of your week with us. So thanks for being here. Yes. Yes. And leave a comment and tell us where you're from. Tell it and tell us something funny or something fun that's going on in your world. We love to hear from you and we love to hear the fun things that are going on. So share something positive that we can all follow along and read about. Yes. Okay. We're very, very excited about today's guest. He is our unalike hero and he is also the first male we've had on the show. We have not been intentionally avoiding the male species. It just has worked out (laughs) that a few people we've called to be on the show so far have all been female. So we are so excited to introduce the one and the only Emmy award-winning speaker, actor, author, drummer, airline pilot, the one, the only, the amazing Clint Pulver. For Natalia and I, he's the kid next door. And so she joined me this week to catch up and find out how Clint's doing. We are so excited to be here today with Clint Pulver. I've asked Natalia to join me for this interview because, as it turns out, she knows him from a long time ago. We both know him from a long time ago, but Natalia, I just learned you know him in a, in a very intimate manner. I do. And I'm going to jump in here really quick and just embarrass Clint before we even get started. (laughs) Okay. When I was a teenager, I had this little part-time-ish job. I don't even know what you call it, but I would get off the school bus once or twice a week at the Pulver home and babysit Clint and his brother from the time they got out of school until In the evening, I don't even know what time it was, but it was after they were supposed to be in bed. So this is the way that I would totally describe Clint as a child when I was babysitting him. He was the most perfectly naughty little boy. Yes, that sounds exactly right. (laughs) So I would go to their home and everything was always in order. His mom and her organizing skills were top notch. So it was always fun to go there. They were good boys. They never did anything. Like it was a really easy and fun babysitting job. So I'm sure their bedtime was like eight o'clock or nine o'clock or something. And every single night I would say, okay, it's bedtime. And Clint would help me get his brother into bed. And then he would go get into his bed. (laughs) And then he would hurry and sneak out and talk me into letting him stay up late 
and he would teach me how to play Atari, which I had no idea how to play. I don't even think I knew what Atari was before I met them. (laughs) And he would sit on, they had like this window seat kind of thing. And Clint would sit there and look out the blind. And as soon as his mom and dad would pull in, he would just run to bed. And I don't think they ever knew. I never told. So that was the plan. That was it. It's like you let me stay up. I'll make sure that they know that you put me on bed to in bed at time, and that'll be perfect. It was so much fun. Seriously, one of my favorite childhood memories was babysitting Ooh, you guys. That is awesome. We should. I told Michelle we need to get you a T-shirt. I survived uh, babysitting Clint Pulver. It was a lot of fun. Really, it's awesome. That Clint, awesome. how good are you on the Atari today? You know, it's been a while. It's been a while since I, I played the old Atari. My dad still has the set, though. I, so next time I'm up there, we're going to have to do a little That's Atari. <laughs> awesome. Well, we know that this has been a crazy year for everybody, but public speakers as well. So how's the year been treating you, Clint? Uh, it's been crazy, uh, to be honest. Uh, March 6th was my last live uh, public speaking event um, when the world, I would say, uh, was still normal. (laughs) And then we watched literally in a matter of two weeks as my whole industry uh, just disappeared, fell apart. Um, Obviously, live events and big conferences and large social gatherings aren't happening anytime soon. So uh, it's been a really difficult time. but it's also been a unique time and it's been a time for opportunity, not just problems. And uh, so it's been fun to, to pivot and innovate and to get creative. You're doing a lot now through Zoom and finding ways to still speak and engage audiences virtually, correct? Yeah, this is, this is your, I'm speaking right now in our virtual studio. We've got uh, multiple cameras and uh, we're doing all sorts of different things to, to make it more of an engaging, exciting experience. And uh, good audio and lighting and uh, mixers and streaming equipment and yeah to still be able to to bring a message to people and still help and uplift and add value we're just doing it all virtually now one of the amazing things of millennials today is the ability to adapt and to accept change and that's something you've definitely rolled with yeah i think you have to i think it was it was that moment where well we're either going to die as a business or we're going to adapt um and it was an opportunity to kind of really get creative. We've created something here that we wouldn't have done had the pandemic not happened. And I still miss being on stage. I still miss speaking to a live audience, but uh, man, there's nothing like doing something like this. And then I leave and I'm, I'm here in my home and I get to go and snuggle my little baby and I'm home every night and to be with my family. So there's definitely been a lot of, pros amongst the disruption. I know you've got a couple of specialty stories, but one of those that I I think might be, in fact, I'm going to call it your signature story, talks about an experience that you yourself had as a child, roughly 10 years old. Tell us a little bit about what happened when you were a young fifth grader. So I was the kid that when I would go to school, I didn't struggle with science or English. I just struggled uh, holding still. I, I was always moving, you know, Natalia could probably attest to this. I just I had a lot of energy <laughs> and I would sit there and I would try to focus in class and my right hand would start to move and my left hand would start to tap and I just, I just did it. And I constantly got in trouble for it. I was nicknamed the twitcher 
Kids would call me the tapper all the time in class. I got sent to the principal's office. The principal told me to just sit on my hands and that worked for like five seconds. Uh, and my feet would start tapping. I just, uh, yeah, was constantly deemed a problem uh, by everybody, because that's annoying, right? And nobody wants to be some, around someone that's constantly doing that. Uh, but I've always believed, though, uh, in the power of moments. I think if we look at our lives and what makes it a great story, it's the moments. Some of them are hard, some of them are epic, but it's the significance of those experiences that make them moments. And that's what writes your story. And I'll never forget this moment where there was my fifth grade teacher, his name was Mr. Larry Jensen. And he told me to stay after class and the bell rang, everybody's gone, it's a completely empty room, me and Mr. Jensen. And he sat me down and he said, listen, do you know why I asked you to stay after class? And I said, yeah, it's, it's because I tap, it's because I move. And he said, listen, I, I've watched you, I watch what you do, it's crazy. He said, you're what we call ambidextrous. And I'm like, what? I was like, no, I'm a Presbyterian. And he's like, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> he's like, you're ambidextrous. He's like, you have independence over your limbs. And I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? And he's like, can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? And I could do that. And he goes, can you switch it? He said, can you rub your head and then tap your belly? And literally, without thinking about it, I just naturally could do that. And he leaned forward and he looked at me and he said to Clint, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. And I'll never forget in that moment, he leaned back in his, in his chair and he opened up the top drawer of his desk and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks, my very first pair, and changed my life. Uh, it was a moment that communicated two things, my potential and my worth. He showed me that who I was was not a problem, it was an opportunity. But he also showed me the opportunity of what could be with that gift. And I'll never forget, he handed me the drumsticks and he said, Clint, I want you to take them and just keep them in your hands. And let's just see what happens. And that was 22 years ago. And uh, I can honestly say today that, that, that from this time, 22 years ago, to where we are today, I've tried my best to keep my promise to Mr. Jensen. For 22 years, I've had the opportunity to tour and record all over the world playing drums. I started the first drum line at Wasatch High School. I started the first drum line at Utah Valley University. Uh, I've been on America's Got Talent. Uh, I remember I went to college and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I graduated with a bachelor's degree and zero college debt. Uh, and that was from music scholarships. And I don't say all those things to go, oh wow, good for you, Clint, or that's amazing. I say those things because of one person, one person who created a moment that ended up changing a life. And uh, yeah, Mr. Jensen is uh, still alive to this day. I've, uh, there's a picture of, of me and Larry. I call him Larry now. And uh, yeah, he, he totally changed uh, everything just with a simple pair of drumsticks. Do you still have that set of drumsticks? I shredded them. I, I practiced with those things so much. Uh, and they, yeah, they quickly fell apart. When we play, they just, 
most most of the time the sticks break, and so yeah, I think I had him for maybe a month or two. And <laughs> I needed new sticks. <laughs> Has he signed a new set for you? Um, he actually hasn't, and I probably should do that. Yeah, I, I sure. we talk we talk fairly often, and he's always asking what I'm up to and what I'm doing with my life, and sure. Um, yeah, he's just an instrumental person that, uh, yeah, just a small moment that made such an impact. I know that when you share this story up on stage in front of thousands of people, CEOs, business leaders, parents, school kids, you turn to the audience and you ask them, how do you create those moments that truly change people's lives? I think you issue that as a challenge to them. Do you have some ideas for everyone listening and watching us right now, aside from handing out a set of drumsticks, what are other things that we can do to create these moments that truly change people's lives? I think it depends on, on where you're at in your life, your sphere of influence, right? If you're a CEO versus a mom or a dad or uh, a manager versus a teacher, the, the environment is going to be a little bit different. However, the universal principle of making sure that people are seen, heard, and understood is still applicable. It still applies. It's a universal truth. I, 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 my business now, five years ago, I started what's called the Undercover Millennial Program. And I go undercover into organizations as a millennial who's looking for a job. It's kind of like undercover boss without the makeup. Yeah, right, uh, right. And, and I go up to the employees and I say, hey, I'm just thinking about applying. What's it like to work here? And like it gets awkward and they kind of look around and it feels like a drug deal. And then all of a sudden they tell me <laughs> everything, everything. They tell me the good, they tell me the bad. They tell me what's working and what's not working. But the magic of, of all of the research was when I would ask an employee and say, what's it like to work here? And they would respond with, I love it here. I love my job. I love what we're doing. I love my manager. Uh, you know, I, I love my teacher. And it was interesting. I think that some of the greatest moments are made through mentorship, not management. Mm. What I mean by that is advocating for people, not just developing people. Yeah. Um, some of the greatest moments always revolve around the individual. And, and that's what we remember, right? We don't remember days. We remember moments because the moments had something to do with us. And if you're a parent listening to this, every one of your kids is always asking you the question, let me know when it gets to the part about me, mom, or let me know when it gets to the part about me, dad. And sometimes we hear that and we go, those entitled little shining stars in my life, <laughs> right? Like, let me know when it gets to the part about me. Yeah. And it's not so much about entitlement as it is about like good business, good parenting, bringing humanity into the classroom, getting to the part about people. And I look at the moment that Mr. Jensen created and I, I go, what made that so significant? What made that so special? And it really comes down to those two things. It communicated my potential and my worth to the point where I saw it within myself. All Mr. Jensen did is he told me what he saw when he looked at me and second, he told me what he saw me becoming. If you want to create a moment with an individual, tell them what you see when you look at them. You know, think about it. When's the last time you sat down with your child and you just said, hey, listen, Lindsay, Brittany, Mike, John, I just want you to know, like, when I look at you, like, I just want you to know, I see this. I see how good you are. I see how hard you're trying in school. I see how kind you are with the other kids. Like, like tell them what you see. Because 
I've worked with kids long enough in my career. Man, most of the time, they're not telling themselves positive things. They're not thinking positive thoughts. The right. Hawthorne Institute did a study three years ago. They found that you're, uh, a, a, an adult will have anywhere from 15,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Sure. People are like, I only have 12 a day. But <laughs> on average, 15,000 to 60,000 thoughts. But what they also found is that 80% of those thoughts are negative. Mm. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, uh, I don't sit at the cool table at lunch. I only got 56 likes on my Insta pick when I usually get 400, right? Some of those things might seem trite, but if we take 80% of negativity and then you compound that day after day, it's easy to lose sight of who you are. It's easy to lose sight of what's possible. So tell people what you see when you look at them. Sometimes we just need somebody to believe in us, somebody to point it out. And, and then the second thing is tell them what you see them becoming. Hmm. That's what he did for me. He, I, I saw it as a problem. I saw myself being teased. I saw myself as a victim. He helped me to become a victor. He helped me to become the hero in the story. He gave me drumsticks and said, this is cool. This is something. This is, he gave me belonging. I, I, I love this. I wasn't going to do this, but we might as well. Uh, th this saying, it says, opportunities are found within the problems. Uh, all right, you two, help me out with this. Uh, okay. Say this with me at the same time. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Opportunities, opportunities are, are found within the problems. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> Except for that it doesn't say that. Okay. Watch. Let's try it again. Okay. Opportunities, opportunities are, are found, found within, within the the. The, <gasps> what? Look at that. You got me. <laughs> Mind blown, right? You're like, yes. what is this, some like magic show? No, uh, <laughs> it's just about perspective, right? There's two. Yeah. And I didn't change the font. I didn't change the color, but they're there. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh, and Clint. Yeah. It's crazy, that's... right? Mm -hmm. and, and that right there, that's like a little moment, right? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I see something that, I never saw before. Sure. That's, that's how we do it, is we help them see things that they couldn't see within themselves. And when you do that, you become influential. You become memorable. You become a Mr. Jensen. I love that in your mind, you had already given yourself a label, probably without realizing it. Mr. Jensen helped you to see that there was no label and, in fact, that there was so much more. And the cool part about it is I don't really remember a lot of what Mr. Jensen taught me <laughs> as a kid. Sure. I really don't. But one thing's for darn sure, I'll never forget the drumsticks. Yeah. You'll right. never forget I'll how he made you feel. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it, moving past fifth grade, now, now you've got the drumsticks and things are kind of being figured out. Another thing you needed to figure out was what to do when I grow up. And you said, even getting through school, you had the music scholarship and you had the passion for music. And I know that you loved drumming, but it wasn't the only thing that you loved. Yeah, you're right. I loved aviation. I loved flying. Like being a pilot, sound, like nothing sounded cooler to me. I was literally the kid that had every airplane and helicopter you could buy from Toys R Us. It was hanging from my ceiling. <laughs> I loved it and I wanted to fly and I graduated high school with my, my private pilot's license. Mm -hmm. And, and then I, I left and served a two year mission for uh, my church and I mm -hmm. came home and I had to renew my driver's license. 
horrible experience. That happens around the time you turn 21, 22. Yep, exactly. And I went into the DMV and it was literally like Disneyland in the summertime and I didn't have a fast pass. There was there was lines for days and I waited and I waited and finally the lady, she called my number and I walked up and then she, you know, tells you to put your head in that little black box for the vision Mm -hmm. test. Yeah. And I went over and I put my head in there and uh, the screen went white and I could only see six little black dots. Hmm. And she's like, read the letters. And I'm like, I, I, I just see black dots. And she's like, no, you got to push harder. And I'm like, listen, lady, like I'm pushing as hard as I can. And she's like, just read them out loud. And I'm like, I'm not seeing them. Can I go to another machine? Yeah. Eventually she comes around the counter and she pushes me out of the way and she puts her head in the black box and she reads out loud C-K-G-E-L-F-W-Z-Y-N. Clearly there's a problem. Yeah, and she looks at me and she says, listen, can you read? And I'm like, ma'am, come on. <laughs> like, yes, I can read. She's like, well then, honey, I think you're blind. Wow. And I'm like, listen, I drove here today. <laughs> like, <laughs> I see you right now. And she said, well, you're not driving back. Oh my gosh, no way. And yeah, she took us, uh, I'll never forget, it was another moment. And she took a, a big stamp and in red, pushed it on my paperwork and it said denied driving privileges. Wow. I, did, I didn't pass the, the vision test. I was under house arrest at the DMV. Um, <laughs> my mother had to come and pick me up. You called your and, mom. Yep, long story short, I ended up at the Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah. And I sat with one of the top leading authorities in a rare and degenerative eye disease known as keratoconus. And uh, I had it bad. Uh, my eyes as a 21 year old kid were as bad as an 87 year olds. And wow. keratoconus is a degenerative disease and my corneas were dying. My corneas were getting thinner and thinner. And I'll never forget, it. he sat me there and he said, Clint, you'll be blind by the age of 31, 32 you're gonna lose your sight. And, and then he asked, <laughs> and then he asked, he said, what do you wanna do with the rest of your life? And I said, I wanna fly. I, I can't wait to get fly. in the sky, I'm gonna fly airplanes. Yeah, and he's like, listen kid, it's never gonna happen for you, ever. Mm-hmm. And, and that was, it was really hard because there I was as a young kid who had my eye on the sky and then I watched in a moment as the sky fell in all around me and uh, that was really tough. And, uh, uh, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you have a plan, right? You have a, a, a dream, you have a goal, and then something out of your control happens and you, you, there's nothing you can do about it. It's the same thing like what happened with the coronavirus, right? And COVID. Yeah. This came out of nowhere and disrupted our business. Um, there's, a, there's a film, it's called Shawshank Redemption. Oh, and yeah. in their, a little in known movie, film. There's, yeah, there's a quote that says, you can get busy living or you can get busy dying. And I had a mentor in college and he told me, he said, Clint, there's a quote that I wanna share with you. It's by Oscar Wilde. And it says, to live is the rarest thing in the world for most people just exist. Hmm. And I just didn't wanna exist. And uh, I got busy creating a a new life, right? You get busy living or you get busy dying. And I wanted to live and uh, ended up going to school. And I actually went into the medical field, um, graduated, and I, was, uh, I went to three years of specialized med school and became an orthopedic specialist. I worked in that world, but hated it. I wasn't fulfilled. I was just existing every day. I had the benefits, the job, the stability. Uh, but 
I, re I remember, this is a, kind of an important really quick part of this story that I think is, is, is worth mentioning because I was sitting with two buddies yeah. and I said, yeah. wouldn't it be crazy if you could find a job, a career that allowed you to do three things? Okay. And the three things were this. Number one, what if it uh, allowed you to play to your passions? Like you really felt good about it. You loved it. It was something, man, if you had three hours on a, on a Saturday, you would do this, mm -hmm. right? If money were no option, you would do this. And number two, what if it, you could provide for your family, right? What if you could provide in a way that was sufficient for you? And then number three, what if it contributed to your purpose in life? So passion, this thing, provide, and purpose. You got it. The three, the three Ps. And my buddies were like, I don't think that exists. I don't yeah. think you can find those three Ps in one job. Yeah. And uh, I said, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're right. <laughs> and two, two, two weeks after that conversation, I quit my job in the medical field and I jumped into the world of professional speaking full time. And it was the career, it was the job, it was the calling in my, my life that fulfilled those three Ps. And I can honestly say the moment that I, I quit my job and jumped into this world was the moment I started living. I know that another one of your favorite quotes is one by Mark Twain. And that yes. quote says, there are two important days in our life. And those are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Totally. When I think when we die, or I'll, you know, it doesn't matter what you do in this life, none of us are getting out alive, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just part of life. But I think when that moment comes, you're gonna be surrounded in that, in that room, in that place, you're gonna be surrounded by two things. You're gonna be surrounded by the woulda, shoulda, couldas, or you're gonna be surrounded by the do it, did it, done it. What it comes down to, right, is, is why are you here? What were you put here for? And I get that sometimes people might hear that and they go, ah, oh, it's motivational fluff and I've got bills to pay, man. Like I've got responsibility. I've got mouths to feed. I, I get that. But also, do you understand too, I would say to people that say that, do you realize that 80% of people hate what they do for a living? Mm -hmm. Gallup, recent poll two years ago, 80% of people aren't fulfilled by their jobs. Yeah. And I believe that that's why I'm so passionate about in creating greater workplaces and building loyalty that lasts and building organizations where people like themselves best because they're at work. And when we, we create a better opportunity full of moments and purpose and passion, and we also provide an ability for people to provide for their families, I believe that, that dads go home and they, be better, they become better fathers, right? Yeah. Moms are able yeah. to be better mothers. We raise better children. We find more fulfillment in life. And, and I, I just life is, is, is too short. And uh, so it's been really fun to jump into that world. And um, six years ago, I got a phone call from the Moran Eye Center. And they just came out with a new uh, human trial for a new procedure with people with my eye disease. Mm -hmm. And I was number 42 on the list wow. okay. and they did the procedure on my right eye and then they did the procedure six months after that on my left eye and it 100% stopped the progression of the disease. Oh my gosh. And uh, am I a full-time pilot now and flying for a, a, a life flight or some airline or something? No, I, I'm not. But I did learn that sometimes good things fall apart so that better things can fit together. Yeah. And 
I think when we choose to see the opportunities and not the problems, that's what helps us to progress. And there's always opportunities, despite how hard or difficult it is, you still get to live a life by design, not by default. And I'm grateful for those moments and the opportunity that I've had to strive to do that. Sitting on the bench with your friends, they they made a bet that it wasn't possible to find the three Ps. You have indeed found them and today are loving at what I believe truly was your calling in life. And it is sharing your message uh, through being a public speaker. So Clint, um, to date, you have given over 3,000 keynote addresses. You have spoken in 47 states. Uh, the only three, just as a fun fact, the only three you have not yet been invited to, Alabama, Maine, and New Hampshire. Let's give Clint a call. Make it happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen. You've <laughs> spoken all around the all around the world, um, of course, around the country, but in addition to the United States, you have spoken in Dubai, in Ireland. You've touched people in Thailand. You've reached out to people in Guatemala, the British Islands, and Australia. You have literally become a worldwide sensation sharing your message, helping people to understand their worth and to be the best you. When you speak, when you give these keynote addresses, when you stand up on a stage with three or 4,000 people in the room, many CEOs and business leaders, one of the most memorable parts about what you do has to do with pulling a pair of drumsticks out of your pocket. So what happens? Yeah, we, we, we show up to an event and nobody knows that I'm a drummer. Uh, <laughs> and I tell the story of Mr. Jensen third person. And then I, we do take the drumsticks out and then we reveal a drum set live on stage. And I sit down and we rock the house. And the cool part is, is they get to see the power of influence, right? Sometimes sure. we don't always see that. We, you know, that one moment where you said the right thing at the right time or you decided to smile at that random person on the street and that's what they needed uh, during that time. We don't always know the impact. And so it's a really cool opportunity that we get to show the audience that even though we don't see it, it still matters and it's still, uh, it's still needed and you get to be that person. And then we play the, the, the drums and it's always a party. Well, we've talked about it long enough. I don't think we should make our audience wait any longer. Are you willing to pull out some drumsticks for us today? Yes, absolutely. Let's make it happen.
gosh, Natalia, can you believe that? He is awesome, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) I could listen all day. Well, not just listen, Clint, you're so much fun to watch. And the energy, I can only imagine the energy that you bring to a room every time you step on stage. It has to be amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, we try. We try our best. It's it's uh, it's it's fun to influence, right? It's fun to to spark ideas, but it's also fun to entertain and engage people. So it's been a great opportunity. I can only imagine that when you finish a performance like that, it, you've got to be. I can't believe that you can come out of that and then be able to continue talking and to go on with the keynote address. Do you have any breath left? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely winded. Uh, I got to stop eating Twinkies. That, uh, <laughs> I'm calling this the, the pandemic. It's not the pandemic. It is, it's been the, the pandemic. The that's pandemic great. for me. So, yeah. Well, you are working on a new book now and I want to hear all about it. I also want to hear where people can go to get it. It's based off of all of the undercover research that I have done for the last five years and how great leaders were those influential people. And it's a great book that would be applicable to parenting, to education, to business. They're all universal principles and they're a part of what you're doing. Then this is the book. And it's all based off of the solution-based principles from the eyes of the employees when their leaders were getting it right. And uh, you can get it on Amazon right now. It's available for pre-sale. Uh, the launch of the book is in April. So we're really looking forward to that. So yeah, that's yeah, great. Excited. Very exciting. Some people can start putting that on their Christmas list. Clint, where can people go if they want to learn more about you or follow you online? Instagram's awesome. Uh, LinkedIn is also a great place, but I hang out on Instagram a lot and, and love it. So say awesome. hello on Instagram. Yeah. Well, we really thank you for being here with us today. It's been so much fun to catch up and to hear your inspirational stories. Thank you for sharing with us and giving us some ideas and definitely some things to consider for everyone who listened today or who tuned in to watch over on our YouTube channel. Um, I think you've given us a lot to think about, and I want to thank you for that. You're very welcome. Appreciate you both. Natalia. I cannot believe you never told me that you used to be his babysitter. I was his babysitter. He, I have to tell you, was the most perfectly naughty little boy I've (laughs) ever babysat in my whole entire life. I had so much fun tending him as a child. It was actually kind of a weekly job that I would go and tend Clint and his brother, Jaron, and... I've loved watching him just grow up and turn into this awesome person. I feel like I'm a proud aunt or something over here that's just so <laughs> proud of everything that he's done. Yeah. Well, we, we were really tickled that he was willing to uh, come on to the show and to share his stories with us and to give us that small concert. It was the best week. So... Thank you, everybody, for being here with us. We really hope that if this is your first time stopping by, you'll stick around. Go back and watch episode one and then catch up. We're working on a really fun episode for next week. We can't wait to catch up with you then. But until then, have a great week. See you later.